And now this from the gospel according to St. Luke in the 17th chapter, beginning in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of life. It was in a junior high school classroom. The teacher asked the students to take out a sheet of paper and a pencil and then to list the seven wonders of the world. They all began to write, some faster than others, working on their papers. When finally they were all tallied up, the great pyramids of Egypt was the number one answer. But during that process, the teacher noticed one young girl fairly new to the, her class, sitting in the back, really pouring over her paper. Even after they have voted, she's still back there working. The teacher walks back to her and says, Amy, are you having some trouble? And she said, well, yes, there are just so many. And the teacher says, well, read to me what you have, and let's see if maybe I can help. She said, okay, number one, to feel Number two, to hear. Number three, to taste. Number four, to see. Number five, to run. Number six, to laugh. Number seven, to love. The teacher patted her on her hand and said, thank you. It wasn't what the teacher was looking for, but it was a great reminder of how often we forget about some of the most basic blessings God is pouring into our lives. Far too often we get caught up thinking about human achievements and great technological advances and thinking that's the greatest thing ever and miss some of the most basic blessings. Far too often we take for granted the blessings pouring into our lives and never think of the God who has made them all possible. We come to this place, we're born into this world with everything we need for life and life abundant. I mean, air to breathe, water to drink, a fruitful planet on which to live. And so often we just tear through it so quickly as adults that we fail to ever slow down and give thanks to God for all the blessings that surround us every day. So often we forget this is not of our making. God is at work in the world. I think that's what we have in our story today from Luke. We have these ten lepers 
Now, our best biblical commentators say it's not leprosy as we think of it as a single kind of disease, but any skin affliction, any skin condition was considered leprosy in that day. So we don't know exactly what these ten were afflicted by, but ten of them have some kind of skin affliction. It makes them unclean. So they have to keep their distance, as Luke says. But these ten see Jesus, and they're yelling at Jesus, Have mercy on us! Have mercy on us! You see, because of the skin affliction and being unclean, living in a community where boundaries and cleanliness were very important, living in a community that was always in the shadow of a greater foreign power wanting to dominate them or control them or obliterate them. Boundaries are important. These ten have been separated out. They can't associate with their friends and family as they normally would. They can't go to work or even worship as they normally would. They can associate with each other, but not with the rest of the community. We can identify with that a little bit. When we are sick and we're stuck at home for a few days, usually for us, get a little antsy, you're ready to get back out, you want to get back to work, you want to see your friends, you want to be back up and feeling better and being a part of the community and what's going on. Well, that's just a little taste. These, these ten are wanting to get back into the community. They see this Jesus character. They've obviously heard of him. They know he's a prophet, a healer, a teacher. Maybe he's the one. Maybe this Jesus can make a difference for them. Maybe he can bring them back in. So these ten see him. They become very focused on him. And then as Luke says, they, they keep their distance, but they begin to call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, ten of them. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It must have been a spectacle. Surely everyone in the crowd would have stopped and turned. It says Jesus recognized them finally. He heard them and turned toward them, telling them to go on their way to the priest. But on their way, they are healed. But then the surprising part of the story, nine of them just keep going. Only one, only one comes back. Not very good odds. Healed ten, nine keep going, only one returns. I thought, how can that be? And it reminded me of an experience I had very early in ministry. My very first appointment out of seminary was at Christ United Methodist Church here in Tulsa. I was hired as halftime youth pastor, halftime counselor. They had a counseling center then staffed by professional counselors the late reverend al garvin was my mentor and supervisor as he was kind of giving me an orientation and talking about how we would be doing this he said now most of the people you see you'll get no more than three sessions with and i thought three sessions i'm pretty healthy i've got no major problems i've seen a counselor more than three times how much help can i give them he said well this is how it works usually just three sessions he said think of it like this if you're walking and you get a pebble in your shoe, what do you want most of all? To get the pebble out, right? I say, right. He says, that's how it is with these folks. They come to see you. They've got a pebble in their shoe. There's a problem. There's a crisis. In a session or two or three, you take the pressure off. They're on down the road. Now, they may get another pebble. There may be more stress that builds up. Something may go wrong. There may be another crisis. They might come back, but usually just three sessions. 
I think that's sort of what happens to the nine. The pebble's gone, they are healed, and they're on down the road. But one, one returns, praising God with a loud voice, Luke says. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He comes back with this deep feeling, this response to Jesus. He recognizes that God is at work here, that something's going on. He's on his way, as Jesus told him. Then he's healed. He thinks about it and returns and responds with this deep emotion, laying down in the dirt in front of Jesus, thanking him, recognizing that God has worked through this Jesus to heal him. I think there's something for us to learn here. I think there's a good lesson for us. I think we shy away from this sense of expressing our praise and gratitude to God in our worship. Sometimes we shy away from it in our lives. The great commandment says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. In other words, with all of who you are, bring it all to God. God wants all of you. Now, it doesn't say don't be a thinking person, but the Bible says the mind is not enough. It can't carry the whole load. That's a good Methodist teaching as well. Head and heart go together. We are thinking people and feeling people. We reflect on things, but we also have passion. We study and worship, but we also act. We try to marry all those things together but i think we need to evaluate ourselves are we with the nine forgetting to give thanks to god and just going on our way not noticing that god is at work in our lives and in our world are we with the one that we've thought about it enough that we turn back that we come to this place or we turn back in our own private devotional life and give praise and thanks to god for the many wonders and blessings that we have experienced. It's important to evaluate where we are. We don't want to be with the nine forgetting God, acting as if God's irrelevant or God's not alive and at work in our lives. I think we want to be with the one who comes back to give praise and thanksgiving for the healing that has happened. Our one leper who returns seems to represent this balance of head and heart, of mind, body, soul, of strength, of mind, of bringing all of that together. He has deep feeling and responds with that because he's already thought about it. He's reflected upon it as he was going. He recognizes that God is at work and turns and comes back. One of the commentators on this passage put it like this. He says, ten were healed, but only one saved. Ten healed, but only one saved. Only one recognizing that God is at work here and coming back and giving appropriate thanks and praise. You can see it there in verse 19 at the very end when Jesus says to him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Greek verb here, made you well, is sometimes in other parts of the Christian scriptures translated as saved. Your faith has saved you or made you whole or made you well. It's a constellation of ideas that come together here. Ten healed, only one saved. He's the one who recognizes this is of God. 
God is at work here. God has just done something for me. I need to give thanks and praise. But maybe the best news for us is that this is a Samaritan. This is a Samaritan. This guy is outcast because he's a Samaritan to start with, but then he's also a leper, so he's doubly out. But it's interesting how Jesus makes note of this in verses 17 and 18. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This foreigner, this Samaritan, we were told earlier he was a Samaritan. That's the kind. See, the Samaritans were part of the Jewish family tree, but they've intermarried with others. They worship at a different place. They don't keep the same rules as the stricter Jews. They were seen as outcasts, as marginalized, those that you don't want to be around. You don't want to have a, any part of them. Jesus says this one. This is the one. Only one recognized a relationship with God as a result of this healing work. And this one is a Samaritan. But the good news for you and I is, if he can be made well, if he can be made whole, saved, then anyone can. If the one who's least likely, who's the one that's outside, if he's brought into the family of God, then that's good news for you and me. No matter what your family tree would predict about who you are, no matter what mistakes you might have made, no matter what affliction you might be struggling with, no matter what it is in your life that in your own mind or your own heart you think, I'm not sure God can love me. I'm not sure if everybody knew I would still be part of the family. This text says, oh yes, God's arms are big enough even for you. Any, if this Samaritan, this foreigner, this outcast can be saved, then anyone can be saved. That's good news for all of us, isn't it? We're all a part of the family of God. And this one recognizes that that God is at work through this person, Jesus Christ. And he represents this dual theme that you see throughout the Gospels. God acts and we respond. God acts and then we